Psalm 23, and I want to make a comment about um, verse 5, and then I want to look at verse 6, and um, just kind of mention a couple things that really spoke to my heart that I didn't get a chance to say um, last, last few Sundays. So let's just pray, Father, bless this short time in the Word and our fellowship to follow. Thank you for each person that's here. Pray for folks that need a touch in their healing today in this room, Lord. And uh, we just pray today, Father, for this coming weekend with my brother, Lord, that it would be just a very edifying time for each person. And thank you, God, for the, the Long family that are recovering, Greg and Lisa and all the, the girls. Let's pray for them. Bless this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 23, verse 5, David said to prepare a table before me. And the parallel um, in our life with Christ is that our good shepherd, our great shepherd, has himself gone before us into every situation and every extremity that we might encounter. And I love that, that he goes and prepares a table. And um, there's just something about knowing that there's something prepared for you in the future. Uh, whether it's an inheritance or you're going to go to a city and there's a room prepared for you or uh, there's people there waiting for you or there's a provision that's going to be waiting there for you when you get there. And this is really what the shepherd has done before. Um, before a lot of times before a shepherd would move his sheep to another location, um, he would have to go there first himself and prepare what is called a mesa. And it's like a table. It's kind of like this flatland on hill, uh, hilly, um, on hilly country, and it's kind of flat area where he would have to prepare the place for his sheep to come and eat. And uh, when we think about the table that Christ prepares for us in the Old Testament, uh, to to eat and drink with someone at at the table in the Orient. Uh, created a bond of mutual loyalty and it was a precursor for a covenant and uh, in Exodus 24 verses 9 through 12 I love these verses they spoke so deeply to me a few days and I, I don't know if I ever saw this but I like, I want, let's read this together um, here is Moses, Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and the 70 from the elders. Okay, let's look at that together. Uh, Exodus chapter 24. And keeping in mind the table that's prepared uh, before the Lord, with the Lord, as a place of covenant. And verse chapter 24, and let's look at verse 9 through 12. And Moses went up, and also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. Wow, I love that. You know, they sat at the table and they saw the God of Israel at the table. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God and they ate and drank. Isn't that powerful? Mm-hmm. They saw God and they ate and drank at the table. That really spoke to me because here you have this incredible display of God's glory, this incredible, powerful 
picture of God in um, the 70 elders, and you have these, these men that are sitting there, uh, the sapphire stone, and on it was the very heavens in its clarity. And it says, and I love those words, so they saw God and they ate and drank. And imagine that kind of communion with God at, in the, at a table here in Psalm 23, verse 5, a table that's in the presence of our enemies. And that just speaks so deeply to me because that was a time of covenant that God makes with Moses and with these men and with mm-hmm. Israel. And um, this reminds us of, of another portion of Scripture. And this is, um, and it's beautiful because in verse 11 of, of Exodus 24, uh, in one translation it says, and, the tour, and, the, and toward the leaders of the Israelites he did not stretch out his hand. Love that, and that speaks about the mercy of God, you know, at the table. And when we're eating at the table, God has prepared this table. And the table that we eat at is like what we t- had communion Sunday, is the blood of Christ, which is the testament, the New Testament covenant, the remission of sins, and the bread, of, and the bread which is the body of Christ, which was broken for us. Mm. And he did not stretch out his hand against the leaders of the Israelites because of that, because of that communion. And it reminds me of this time in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 25, and then also at the communion table at the Last Supper, where Jesus is sitting, where they are, where the elders, the new, the new elders of Israel, the, the apostles, the disciples, the new leadership of Israel, and these great men of God, Peter, James, and John, and these other apostles, they're sitting at the table that the Lord has prepared, and they saw God, and they ate and drank. They saw Jesus Christ, they saw God, and they ate and drank. And there's a new covenant there. I just thought that there's something very beautiful there that if we could just understand our communion with God. And I think that when we commune with God, um, I was talking to a young lady Friday nights, what my wife and I and Caleb have been doing. It's just kind of like we go out and eat. It's kind of our family night. And then we go to to Market Street um, in the Woodlands, and we just sit down and there's like this, you know where that, in the Market Street, there's like that little area where there's that green area, you kind of go down a little bit and there's sometimes music playing or kids or, you know, so we go there and Caleb usually gets like some gelato or something. And he just plays with all these kids and everybody there is a foreigner. Like, I don't, I mean, there's like no, I mean, there's all these languages. It's the most interesting place. And I said, Gosha, have you ever... Isn't it kind of interesting that everybody here is like, you know, a foreigner? Mm. And, and this is what foreigners do in Europe and, and countries that have old, and their, their cities are so old, they have a center to them. Mm-hmm. So I remember when we lived in Poland, lived in Ukraine, we would just go to the city center in the evening sometime, and there would just be all, like, all these people walking around. There'd be restaurants, and to be quiet. I mean, not quiet, but a lot of things to do. And so we're sitting there, and a lot of times what will happen is, is just us being who we are, we'll start talking with somebody, and then, the, and then the gospel will come out. And, and this has kind of turned into us for like a little, like an unplanned, impromptu, just uh, family time of, of just some outreach where we, where we just talk to people. And so um, two weeks ago, there was a family there, and they looked, they looked exactly like this Turkic people group in China that's called the Uyghurs. And I looked at them, and I watched them. I thought they're either Uzbek or they're Uyghurs. And I looked, and I was watching them, and their son was running around, and it said something like, you know, Uyghur school of something, you know, and I was like, so I went over to the family, I go, are you, excuse me, are you guys Uyghurs? They're like, yes, we are, you know what that is? And I said, yeah, I was in your city, you know, I was in China, and we got talking, and they're like so excited, like, 
So the whole family comes over. There's 20 of them. It's like they're like a clan. And so, you know, so, you know, and I just, and I just, you know, we were sitting there talking and, and I just thought, you know, like how God loves to commune with people and how it looks when we commune with people with the gospel and that the gospel, when we share the gospel with people, it's an opportunity to commune. Met a guy um, Saturday. His name is Thomas. He's from New York originally, <clears throat> but he has a Texan accent. He's been here for a long time, and um, we just started talking, and we just had this beautiful communion about the about the gospel, and really the gospel is is that we were that, that we are such such wasted sinners that like so broken that we're so we're like and I was driving here just thinking Lord I'm just such clay you know I'm just such clay and so you know so limited in my understanding and and there's so much we don't see and 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 I think of like Ecclesiastes 5 you know remember that you are the created and that 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 the God is your creator and I think it's sometimes very healthy for us like to really get small not in in our personal value or not get not self-effacement or self-degradation. I'm not talking about that. That's not edifying. But when we can just get small in, in the wonder of the greatness of God mm-hmm. and the wonder and the power of God and just just like the God, like David said at one moment, he said, who am I that you would even think of me? Is that Psalm 8, right, or Psalm 2? I don't remember. You know, who am I that, that who is man that you would even be mindful of me? And it says another portion of Scripture in the Psalms, like, you know, I think it was Psalm 25, he said, you know, he says, um, David said, remember, you know, the Lord remembers our frame that we are made of dust, and he, yet he thinks upon me. He says in another portion of scripture, I think it's 42 of Psalm, I could be getting all these scriptures wrong, but he says, um, he goes, Lord, I am, I am needy, I'm poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me, you know. And I think just the fact that God thinks about us gives us so much significance in our life and um, we live in a system that is just always always just like trying to get to the next level you know and you get to the next level and it's just not enough still there's that discontentment that insatiability in our soul but it's but there's this moment where where like we can just be okay like okay i'm god i'm content with what i have you know and i don't need to be that i'm I'm, god is here with me and i'm going to content be content with what i have and if the Lord wants to bless me, yes, but like just live in this contentment and this peace with God that and this communion with God that um, that uh, without communion with God, we just don't our emotions are are, are awry, um, our 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 soul is a wreck. Um, we're not centered. And I know that's a word that people don't like to use in Christianity, centered, being centered. But I think it's a good word because it just means that. All of all the parts of my soul are in line, in submission to Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. Like being centered, like okay, my will is making decisions for Christ. My mind is thinking upon Him. My emotions are responding to the truth of God in my soul. Uh, I'm thinking with God. I'm, and I'm understanding myself, self um, identity as as a new creation in Christ, and that that and my conscience in Hebrews chapter nine is is established in grace and and when we're centered like that and we get quiet we know how to center ourselves then um it's hard to push us over you know it's hard to move us paul said nothing moves me so i'm just thinking about this topic of communion at the table um that there's this new there's this new covenant 
And as we're there in this communion with God, all around us may be danger, may, may be threats, may be um, the possibility of, of danger. But we are at the table. Our, our host is our protector. Yahweh is our host protector. He's protecting us. He's, he's providing at the table. And just to know, like, what is going to happen in 10 years of my life, I don't know. But I know there's going to be a table prepared for me when I'm 90 years old. There's going to be a table there. And maybe, you know, as, as the years go on, you hear more and more people passing away. You know, like, wow, you know, that's, that's, that's crazy. You know, people that are around you that are, get, that are getting older and they're passing away. And you start to wonder, and there's like this angst a little bit. We have to remember that there's a table prepared for us. You know, we're going to go have a hard conversation with somebody. We have to understand that, you know what, there's a table prepared there for me. Uh, when I know that I'm going to be, you know, in a place where I might be challenged, or I may, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, I don't know if, 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 if I'm going to do well, or, or, you know, you just are concerned about uh, performance in the future, just know that there's a table that God has prepared for you, that you can sit down and you can commune with the Lord and just be quiet and not, and not live in fear. Paul said that none of these things move me, right? And he just said, like, you know, these, we just had elections, you know, we were standing in the election line last night, the voting line last night, and people are just talking about fear and, and things that they're, they're worried about and what's going to happen. And it's like we can live our life from the position of victory and the position of communion with God. Um, and then the second, and then the last thing is in verse 6, it says, Surely goodness and kindness um, shall follow me all the days of my life. And just something I want to say about this, and then we can maybe talk about it, is um, the way that this is written in the Hebrew is that goodness and kindness of the host to his guest, which is us, pursue me. And uh, it was common that at every table that a host in the Orient or the Middle East would prepare, there was always these attendants that wherever the guests would move, these attendants would follow them. These attendants were attributes, surely in goodness. And these attributes were not just characteristics, but they're actually personified. They're, they're, they are persons. And so what's being said here is, is that surely in goodness and kindness are not just attributes, but they're actually the person of God, Jesus Christ. And so when we think about the attributes and the nature and the characteristic of God, we always remember that these are not just um, vague descriptions of the characteristic of God, but they are truly uh, a person. They're, person. they're personified in the life of Christ. And so Christ pursues us. And I love that because how many times have we gone down the wrong road, you know, and the Lord pursued us? And how many times have we embarked on a direction where it wasn't God's perfect will and we were pursued. And it, here it's like, he says, all the days of my life. And this is not a guest who, we're not a guest who just is entertained once and then we depart. But, and then sometimes permitted to come back and return. But we are a guest who has a permanent and perpetual, a permanent and perpetual place at the table of Yahweh. Kindness is to follow us about to wait on us continually throughout our lives. And this is the parallel. And so um, David realized that God's good faithfulness has said, which is a good way to translate that. And one translate is like, is loyal love. 
would pursue him throughout his life. To follow here does not mean to bring up the rear, but to pursue vigorously. Psalm 83, verse 15, judgment pursues the evil man. Uh, the phrase goodness and faithfulness may be a figure of speech in which two words express the same, the same idea. Uh, this would render this idea and translate it like this, good faithfulness. Another view is that these words describe two different positions, provisions. So, we are in the house of the Lord. I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And that means that we, that he takes his continual residence in us, and we take our continual residence as a guest in Yahweh's house, in the Lord's house, and it's a temple. So this is temple talk. This is not just a house. This is not just some place um, in the wilderness, but this is a temple. We're in the house of the Lord. And the temple, the temple of the Lord is, where is the temple of the Lord today? Where is the temple of God? It's in us. We are his temple. And so he has taken up his residence in us. And we can commune with God in our temple. And what is happening in the temple, Pastor Ben probably talks a lot about this. The feasts. The feasts, the sacrificial feasts, are continually happening in the temple. David had two things happening in his temple. Music, 24-7. And he also had, he had sacrifices happening. And so, Yahweh is the host. God is the host. And he's, he's presenting to us at this table in the presence of our enemies, in the presence of spiritual warfare, in the presence of failure and temptation and all of these things happening in the world. There's a table there. And we are partaking of the sacrificial meals in the temple. And this is not an uncommon thing. And so, um, one commentator put it this way, and then I'll finish. He said, I quote, Just as God's goodness and mercy flow to me all the days of my life, so goodness and mercy should follow me, should be left behind me as a legacy to others wherever I may go. So you know what that means? All the mercy, these things following us all the days of my life, it means legacy. And it just ties up with what we suck, what we started off in the beginning. It was like, what, what do people remember about our lives? You know, when we're when we're gone. You know, when our great grandkids talk about us. You know, what are they going to remember? Hopefully, there's a legacy there of the good faithfulness of God in our life that has pursued us all the days of our life, and that's a legacy that we leave behind, right? Mm. So, just some thoughts there. Any. Any comments or any questions?